0: Part of the role of Adam ruling over the earth was to cultivate and keep the garden. If you're checking me out, it's in Genesis 2, verse 15. It says there that he's supposed to cultivate and keep the garden. Well, I did a little bit of research on those two Hebrew words. They mean protect and serve. or to serve and protect in that order. To serve the garden, cultivate it, protect it, guard it, keep it. Those words are all synonymous. See, it was right after God gave instructions to Adam to serve and protect the garden that he told him not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You'll find that in verse 17 of Genesis. And right after that, guess what God does? Find it in verse 18. He creates woman. And why did he create woman? And do you think that there's any reason why he created him right after he said, this is your commission, and by the way, don't do that. We need you, I need you. To serve this garden and to protect this garden. And then he creates woman. If, if you've read it, you know that he was create, she was created because he needed a helper. And just before he creates Eve, he parades all these animals in front of Adam so he could find a suitable partner. Folks, if marriage was intended to satisfy our need for, uh, affection and Contentment, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Friendship. Companionship, that's the word that was escaping me. If marriage was just about satisfying our need for companionship, I think that Adam could have stopped when he got to a dog. There was a role that was much bigger, and I think that the reason why he needed a helper was because this idea of the role that God had provided for us, created for us for, is a demanding role, and we needed help with it. Now, just as an aside... Is that why you got married? Those of you that are single and you're choosing a spouse, are you choosing someone who can help you fulfill God's role that He created you for? Or are you looking for somebody who can help fulfill what you want done? Changes the way you look at marriage, doesn't it? And it should, because God created marriage for a specific reason. And again, whenever you use something in a way that it was not intended to be used, what happens? Pain, frustration, and dysfunction. So God created a helper to help him with the job at hand, which was the commission that he gave. Now, whenever I look at it, serving, serving and protecting, serving sort of makes sense. That's easy to understand. It's a garden. Anybody here ever work in a garden? Is there some working that you have to do, some serving in that garden? If you want to produce a fruit... Uh, produce something, a harvest, you're going to have to put some labor and some work into it. So serving sort of makes sense to me why that's a part of it. But it was the Garden of Eden. Sin wasn't on the planet. Why, why did he need to protect the garden? Why did he need to guard the garden? What was he supposed to protect it from? You know that Eden, the garden, was surrounding Eden, right? It wasn't the whole planet. Somehow in my mind, nobody had ever told me this, but I just sort of thought the whole planet was wonderful and pristine. Nah, apparently it was in one particular area, and God had given the commission that Adam and Eve were supposed to expand this and fill the whole earth with it. So there was something on the outside of the garden. Here's what I think. I can't prove it. It's just my opinion. Take it or leave it. But I think it was Satan that was on the outside of the garden, which means God didn't put Satan in the garden. Adam let him in. Now think about that. The role that we've been given is to serve and protect. I'm getting ahead of myself here just a little bit. Whenever we drop our guard and we don't do what we were created to do, there is an enemy who will come in and try to destroy and take everything away. So Satan shows up in the garden, and what does he do? What does he go after? He goes after the Word of God. Doesn't he? And so Eve says, well listen, And and I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time memorizing a lot of verses. There's a lot of information in the Bible. Adam and Eve had one verse. One verse to memorize. And whenever she gets pushed, she, she blows it she misquotes not only does she misquote god she becomes the first legalist because she starts adding things to the rule she says oh yeah because satan challenges did god say you really can't eat from that she said oh yeah god said that we can't eat from it. we're not even to touch it she made that part up god never said she couldn't touch it she starts adding things to it but what's worse is adam is standing right there next to her and so what's adam do He says nothing. God's word is being challenged. It's being misused. It's been misunderstood, misrepresented. And Adam, who is supposed to guard, serve and protect, shuts up, doesn't say a word. He was supposed to rule in God's name, which has a lot to do with standing up for what God has said is right. There was an opportunity there for Adam To overcome Satan. Remember, part of the commission was to subdue the animals. He was supposed to subdue the the serpent. He was supposed to subdue Satan. And instead, the serpent subdued him. Because he didn't stand on the word of God. He failed at the commission that he was given to serve and to protect. And so the role that he was created for was lost. They got driven out of Eden, right? Right? And you know the story well enough to know this is a bad deal that went on. But God didn't give up. Mankind lost their created role, but God didn't give up on restoring them to that role that he had created them for. And so he passed the commission on to Noah. And you remember that story too, right? You can read about the commission being passed on in Genesis 9:1. What had happened is the world had gotten so wicked that the very inclination of man's heart was evil all the time. What had been lost, what was supposed to be at the center of their universe, was who decides what's right and wrong being God. And all of a sudden, it's every man for himself. And God is, I'm going to wipe it all out. So he destroys the earth with a flood and brings a new earth. And he starts over with Noah. And how did that go? It didn't go too well either. If you know the story, he gets drunk. He has problems. See, Adam, he fell in a garden. Noah, he falls in a vineyard. Both of them were in great situations, but because they did not accept the commission, took their eye off the ball, they fell. But God still didn't give up. He passed on the commission to Israel. If you look in Genesis 35, 10 through 11, it says there, and we're talking. he says to, to Jacob, he says, Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. So God passed on the commission to Israel. By the way, you know what Israel means? The name Israel means... In, in the Bible, a lot of times names are significant because they have meanings inside them. You know what Israel means in Hebrew? It means he will rule as God. Israel, God was still trying to restore the created role for man through Israel. It's interesting also to me that there were priests that God had selected. He had decided that there was going to be priests that are going to serve him. And guess what part of their job description was? Serve and protect the temple. The same Hebrew words that God had used to describe the role that Adam was supposed to have in the garden. And they were supposed to serve and protect, I think, in the same way. Well, you know how the story goes there too. Adam fell in a garden, Noah fell in a vineyard, and Israel fell in a land of milk and honey. And still God didn't give up his idea of restoring mankind to the role that he had created him for. Then comes Jesus. Where Adam, Noah, and Israel failed, Jesus triumphed. He was the first one to get it right. And it's probably why he's referred to by Paul as the last Adam. Have you read that before? In 1 Corinthians 15:45, Paul describes Jesus as the last Adam. We don't need another Adam. Jesus has, through God has, through Jesus, restored humankind to the role that he had originally created it for. God has restored the role of humanity in Jesus because Jesus is reflecting God. And I won't read all these verses just for time's sake, but I put them in your notes so that you can go back and check it out later to see if what I'm saying is right. By the way, just as a good habit, you realize that I don't own a burning bush. And God does not talk to me directly. I'm just like every one of you guys. I have to read and study and think and pray and meditate. And occasionally I get things wrong. And if you don't check me out, You're never going to know when I'm right and when I'm wrong. I'm telling you the the best I know. I'm not trying to deceive anybody. But you should go and look over these notes every week. It doesn't matter who's talking. You should always go back and use your own thinker and read verses in context to see if it's true and to see if this is what you should understand and what you should do. That's just an aside for that. But Jesus is reflecting God. Jesus is ruling. He's ruling now and forever. Jesus is reproducing and he's filling the earth. You see the original created role being now restored in Jesus? That's power. That's crazy cool because there wasn't anybody else who could get it done. Only Jesus could do it. So now, if you're in Christ, guess what that means? The commission is now passed to you. If you're a part of Christ then you're supposed to be doing what He's doing. Which means the commission has now fallen to you. If you're going to be restored I've got it in your notes this way to be restored to the role I was created for I must take hold of God's commission. We've got a theme for the year which is to take hold. Everybody in this room is at some different place in their walk with God. And there's some things that I need to take hold of because I'm here, and you need to take care of, you need to take hold of that because you're there. We all need to take hold of something. But all of us together need to take hold of this commission. There are specific things for each one of us that differ, but all of us need to, if we're in Jesus, then we need to take hold of this commission. And by the way, if you don't, it's just like we've already established. Whenever you're not filling the role that you were created for, there's going to be what? pain, frustration, and dysfunction. How many people could describe their relationship and their existence in a church with those three? How many people come to church and how many of you guys come here and think that what it means to be a Christian is to show up on Sunday mornings? That God created you to assemble in this concrete dome once a week for an hour or so, sing a few songs, bow your head Quietly, while someone else does the praying, listen to a bald guy talk, throw a couple bucks in the plate, and you're good and you're done. And I know that there are folks out here right now that I'm talking to that that's what you understand your role to be. And how many of you are so frustrated that you don't even know why you're coming anymore? This is now about ritual, this is now about religion. And you're scared to stop coming, but you've already checked out. See, folks, what I'm trying to tell you is, that's not the role that God created humans to fill. He created us for something much grander. But until you accept and take hold of the commission that you were created to fill, you're going to experience that pain, that frustration, and that dysfunction. So, let's look at it. Let's take it apart here. I can take hold of God's commission when I, number one, reflect God. You know, I think God created us reflective just in our nature. It's just a choice about what we're going to reflect. How many times have you seen people that they choose to try to reflect a pop star? I remember back in the 80s when Madonna came along. All of a sudden you see all these girls, these teenage girls trying to dress like her and talk like her and act like her. Why? You know, and then there's, there's guys, you know, particularly with Madonna because she didn't shave her arm. Anyway, it was, I was of dating age. It meant more to me at the time. I was really disappointed with that whole thing. So, it, it matters what you reflect. And you get to choose what you reflect because God gave you free will. But if you're in Christ, he's told us who we're supposed to reflect. Let me show it to you. It's over here in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. Paul says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, and like we talked about last week, hopefully that's you. The veil is taken away. I won't explain that here for now because it takes us too long. For the Spirit of the Lord, for the, I'm sorry, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can do what? We can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, catch this, if you would, circle this last sentence here, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. This is about reflecting. Reflecting. And see, the thing is, and it's, it's good and it's disappointing, I wish that God just zapped us. I've, okay, just selfishly, I wish God would zap me and make me what I ought to be. But apparently, restoration is a process. Apparently, in God's design, for his reasons, and who can doubt him, he wants us to work this out step by step and to grow and to change and we are to change into his glorious image. Reflecting Jesus is something that we should be getting better at as we go along. You with me on that? I won't press it any further then. Let's, let's move on to the second point here. I take hold of the commission when I rule in God's name. And don't get too excited. I think we ought to figure out what this means to rule in God's name. First of all, the big clue should be in God's name. You know, if we're going to do something in God's name, it ought to be the kind of thing that God wants done. The problem in a lot of churches and in a lot of Christians is they do things in God's name that he never would have done. That's not ruling. Not the kind of ruling that we were created to do. Let me show it to you this way. It's over in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Paul said, you were formerly darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. You switched sides. You were in the dominion of darkness. You were held captive and slave over there. But through Jesus and the power of the resurrection, you've been brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son he loves. He says, walk as children of light. Because of what God has done, you need to walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. This is part of us taking hold of this commission. is choosing to act like our Father. He's like, we're supposed to act like Him. We're supposed to walk that way. Part of ruling is walking. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay, now honestly, how many of you guys are actually engaged in that? You don't have to put a show of hands up. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But how many of you really are spending any time trying to figure out what pleases God? I think you're off to a good start by being here this morning. But if this is all the effort you're putting into figuring out what pleases God, you're probably going to come up a little short. It says something about your motivation, something about whether or not you understand the role that you were created in Christ to fill. He says, try to find what's pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. You might want to circle verse 11 there. Do not participate and expose them. Because something to do with those two qualities, has to do with how we rule. How does a judge rule? I mean, our court system isn't perfect, but how does a a judge rule in his courtroom? Does he make up his own rules? Bad ones occasionally do. (laughs) Okay, so I, I can't deny there are some bad judges. But when they're getting it right, they don't make up their own rules. They lean on the law. They stand on the law. See, they're not making it up and doing what they want or what they prefer. They're standing up for what the law has said. In the same way, I think that's how we're supposed to rule. We were created to stand like Adam didn't do. We're supposed to stand on God's word. And we're supposed to walk it in the way that we live. And we should actually be hungry to find out more about what pleases the Lord. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter says that you're now a royal priesthood. He's going to use temple language here. He's saying this of the church. He's saying this of you guys that are in Christ. You're now a royal priesthood. Paul followed that image up in Ephesians 2:21 when he said the church is a temple. You remember where God passed the commission on to Israel? He had a temple and he had priests. And so what were they supposed to do? Serve and protect. I think that's still a part of our job description now, is serving and protecting. See, there's always something that wants to get in and defile. See, they had rules of the temple that anything that was unclean, this could be a person, this could be an animal. Anything that came into the temple defiled the temple, which means you can't use it for the purpose God set it aside for. We are now the church. We are now the temple, living stones in, the, in a temple that is under construction and being built. And we serve as priests. Priests are supposed to keep unclean things out of the temple. We are still supposed to serve this temple, and we're still supposed to protect this temple. And how many of us really have said, Eh, ask for somebody else. Because for whatever reason, because we think we can't understand, or because we're just too lazy, and we don't understand the role that we're in in Christ, we've delegated to somebody else to figure out what pleases God, and be satisfied with sitting there and listening to it preached as once or twice a week. Meanwhile, you're really not all that worried about unclean things coming into the assembly. And then you wonder why churches struggle. And you wonder why things go crazy. And all of a sudden, something that was very good becomes something that's very bad, full of dysfunction and pain and frustration. Because churches have an identity that's in Christ. We're, we've been given the commission. Please don't neglect this guarding, this protecting, this serving and protecting feature of ruling with Christ. I'm going to move on third one i take hold of this commission god's commission when i reproduce and fill the earth when i reproduce and fill the earth see there are all three of these are part of the commission if you just have one you don't have the whole commission how do i know that this is for us too matthew 28 18 through 20 We call it the Great Commission. Jesus said that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, so therefore, because he's in charge. That's what therefore means. It's there for that. Therefore, make disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. One of the most familiar passages in Christendom, and yet... And we call it the Great Commission, but some people have sadly coined something the Great Omission. See, most of the churches that I'm aware of struggle to do all three of these things that are mentioned here. Some of them struggle with the go part. And it looks this way. You come to church, you reinforce what you believe, you feel good about it, and you never talk about Jesus with your friends. You never talk about this role that you've been recreated for or what has been accomplished in Jesus. For whatever reason, you sit on the gospel and you don't speak up and you don't go. Some churches are that way. It's just us and it's okay. And what happens to those churches, and you've probably seen it happen, I know I have, they just get smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually they don't exist anymore. And it doesn't matter how good the preacher is. It doesn't matter how good the singing is. If disciples refuse to accept and take hold of the commission of God and to go and take the gospel wherever they go, a congregation will die. Because you're not created to sit here in a salt shaker. We're created to be salt and light. What good is salt if it never comes out of the shaker? Is that what this is going to be, this big dome? One big salt shaker where we try to get a great big mound of it, but we never put it to use? pain, dysfunction, and frustration, if you want to go that way. And it's not a part of accepting the commission. Another part that gets left off is the baptizing. Some churches focus only on baptizing, going and baptizing. And they leave out the teaching people to obey all that they've commanded. Some churches leave out the baptizing and going. And they make excuses for the lack of growing by saying, well, we're growing spiritually. You know, that doesn't fit. I mean, maybe for a while that could be true. But if you're growing and you're healthy, then reproduction is natural. It's part of what God is doing. And if church isn't reproducing, if your faith isn't being reproduced in another, are you going? Are you talking? Because you were created for exactly that. It's hard to be a church that tries to balance and do all three of these things to go, to baptize, and to teach people to obey. But that's the commission. And those that have tried this and and have accepted the commission, and and none of us are perfect at it, but those that are trying to take hold of that, isn't it better? Isn't life better whenever we're doing it God's way? It's, It's tough sometimes, but it's not like it was whenever I was ignoring it. Can you say the same? I guess we ought to ask, do you really love God? Why are you here? Is it because you don't want to go to hell? I know, preachers aren't supposed to talk this way, but I'm not really a preacher. I'm just a bald guy on the spot trying to talk to you the way I talk to myself. Is this really just about trying not to go to hell? I hope not. Because if it's just about going, not going to hell, then where's your love for God? And what's the problem with the older brother in the prodigal son story? He doesn't care about the father getting what the father deserves. He's too worked up about what he deserves. At some point, folks, you're going to have to deal with this issue. Do you love God? We're talking about the Great, the great Commission, but what's the great command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not a whole lot of room left in there for self. Why do you do what you do? Do you not love God? Do you not love the fact that when you were at your worst, He adopted you? He brought you into His kingdom? He gave you an inheritance? He gave you a name? He gave you a purpose. A purpose that matters for all eternity. We were not qualified for this job, but He is qualifying us for this job. He is helping us learn how to take hold of it. Who would you not want to be a part of this? When we're talking about reproducing, who is it that you don't want to see come to Christ? It's probably the people that you're not talking to. What if you're the only one that God's got talking to that person? Do you not care whether or not God gets a chance to win this person? Churches that do not take hold of the commission die. And it's a slow, painful death. I'm laying that before you because we've got a choice to make here as a crowd. Either we're going to be a congregation of Christ or we're going to be a club. And being a club, I'm not in it for that. Because that's just painful. That's just frustrating. Jesus has done everything to restore the role that we were created for, and why wouldn't you want to be a part of it? And some of you guys are. I know, I see you, I deal with you, I talk with you. I know some of you guys, and you, none of you guys are going to brag. Oh yeah, I really reflect God great. I'm great at this reflection thing. Or, man, I got this ruling thing down. I'm really good at it. Or, you know, this reproducing, man, I'm like a bunny. I, I just They're all over the place. I don't know anybody here that's feeling all that great about themselves. So I'm sorry, it just came to my head, out my mouth. I don't know anybody that that feels like we're all that and, and, and we've got it all together. But I know some of you that are really trying. And God is growing you. And God is doing what he wants to. He's fulfilling his purpose to fill the earth with reflective people through you, through your efforts. And you're becoming more and more like Christ. And isn't it better? Isn't it good? If you're not a part of this, if you haven't taken hold of it, you are missing out. This is the reason why we're here. How many of you guys wonder, why am I really here? This is it. This is it. And it's good to work for God in the role that he's created. Until you take hold of God's commission and experience the power of the resurrection, restoring you to what God created you for, you're going to experience pain, frustration, and dysfunction. If you've got one of those three, please Take seriously this lesson and look at it and ask yourself, Am I? Am I taking hold of the commission? Am I really about this or am I about something else? My last question that I've got in the notes is, Who are you asking to help you take hold of God's commission? I don't know, but maybe one or two thoughts that I have, I don't even know if I've expressed one today that I didn't get from somebody else. One or two thoughts I have that are original, but mostly what I've learned about serving God and taking hold of his commission, I've learned from other people. Sometimes those lessons were done without words. Sometimes it was just watching another follower execute these three and to serve God as best as they could. It was hard for me. You know, sometimes, some of us come from very unloving families. And we don't really understand what it's like to be in a family relationship until we see somebody else who understands it and does it a little better and challenges us and helps us to grow. But here's the thing. If I'm not looking for someone to help, if I'm not asking for help, how quickly am I going to learn how to fill this role that God has created me for? It's kind of quiet in here right now. Am I really that that cutting on this? See, the difference between a club and a congregation, a club and a church, is are we actually learning to do the job? You know, Sarah, you work for Aldi's, right? And you guys just renovated and you expanded and you're hiring people. How long would someone stay in your employ there at Aldi's if they said, thanks for the job, and then went and sat on break? And they really weren't interested in learning and they didn't really, you know, some, someone tries to teach them something, they get bugged. How long would that person actually stay there? Not. And you think that God is going to put up with you doing the same to Him? If I'm taking a new job, whenever I became a cop, I knew nothing. They put me through the academy. That just made me confused. Because the real world and the academy are quite different. So you know what I needed to do? I needed to hang out with one of the older guys. And they told me the difference and they showed me how to actually do what I was trained in the academy. You know, it was funny because they, they, they taught us how to fight. <laughs> they, they taught us these things. They call it tactical neutralization techniques. This is how do you get someone subdued without hurting them or yourself, hopefully. And what I found out from one of the guys that I trained with earlier is forget all that stuff because it will get you hurt. Because all that stuff they trained you in the academy to do with people, pain, compliance issues, twist them this way and that way, works on sane and sober people which are usually not our problem. It's the drunks and the crazy ones. And sure enough, man, I started trying to do some of that stuff they taught me in the academy. I started getting hit and bruised and and losing control of the situation. Some of the older guys taught me how to actually be effective in the job. Same thing is true in the church. Whose responsibility is it for you to find a mentor? Someone who can teach you how to do the job? Whose responsibility is that? yeah it's yours I can't do it for you I can help if you let me I can try to help this is your responsibility because you work for the Lord not for Greater Alton you work for Jesus you're trying to become like him not like me all I can do is show you what I've learned about the job and how I'm doing it and try to help you with it but you're responsible for finding it out so how many of you guys are actually doing that? How many of you guys have just turned this into showing up on Sunday morning? Maybe, if you're extra spiritual, you'll come to celebration tonight. Come on. I mean, I know it's going to be good, but I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to justify the rest of of it, you know. But accepting this commission, we were created for this. Did did, did I make it clear? This is what God always had in mind. It got vandalized and taken away. And for so much of human history, mankind didn't even have a shot at this. And that's why it's called the euangelion, the good news. Because Christianity isn't about good advice. It's about good news. There's good advice in it. But it's good news of what Jesus has already done. New humanity has come. We've been brought back to this commission. And it's good news. I hope that you'll take seriously this lesson today as I'm wrapping it up. I hope that you'll take it seriously and if you haven't got somebody that you're partnering with to help you grow, if you if you're not connected and I found that the further you get into this the more people you need because not everybody's got all the answers that you're looking for that you need. We do small groups around here. We try to help people connect in that way. Put it on your prayer list. If you don't have somebody that you're actually letting train you, can I challenge you to begin? to take it serious and to take hold of the commission, put that in your communication card this morning. We're gonna, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. We're going to pass these communication cards. We're also going to take up a collection and offering to kind of pay for our bills and keep things moving forward as far as those needs are concerned. But this is also an opportunity for you to say, hey, I would like some help. If you've got somebody but you haven't been letting them help you, would you stop that? Come on, man. You ever try to help somebody that doesn't want help? It isn't fun. And eventually the person quits trying. Don't be that guy, that girl. So let me challenge you today. Accept the commission. Take hold of it. God has done everything to set you up for this and you will not fail if you trust him. And he will be glorified and the earth will be filled with his glory. Don't you want to be part of that? That matters more than anything else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for all that you've done for us. Um, Father we, we're still understanding We're still trying to unpack and understand What all you've done for us But Father you've You've given us a purpose You've given us a commission Father I pray that you'll help us to be faithful And to just start with the thing that's right in front of us Everybody that's listening to this lesson today Knows that there's something I pray that you'll put it on their heart Bring it to their attention And help them to be faithful With just that next thing that's in front of them So Father that you can have your will And have your way and that we can see we can see what you do whenever we're compliant with you. We love you and we thank you for the opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.